Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about deregulation in the in uh, the United States government. We'll also visit with Chris Jacobs. He is the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. We're talking about the AARP. We put profits before patients. We'll find out why. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? And Dr. Paul Fanukin is the owner of uh, and runs Alternative Health and Healing Center. He's got a great thing going on. It's peso wave therapy that I've been using, and I want you to find out about it as well. It is August the 14th, and on this day in 1935, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed into law the Social Security Act. Press photographers snapped pictures as FDR flanked by ranking members of Congress, signed into law the historic act which, act which guaranteed an income for unemployed and retirees. FDR commended Congress for what he considered to be a patriotic act. Roosevelt had taken the helm of the country in 1932 in the midst of the Great Depression, the nation's worst economic crisis. The Social Security Act was in keeping with other quote-unquote New Deal programs, including the establishment of the work. Progress Administration, the Civilian Conservation Corps, which attempted to hoist America out of the Great Depression by putting America back to work, by bypassing the private sector. My goodness, a lot of this stuff just kept us in depression for the greatest amount of time. And by the way, FDR ran on the platform of cutting back costs for the federal government and trying to cut back on waste did exactly the opposite. In his uh, public statement that day, FDR expressed concern for young people who have to wonder what would be their lot when they became of old age, as well as those who had had employment but no job security. Although we acknowledge we can never ensure 100% of the population against 100% of the hazards and vicissitudes of life, he hoped the act would prevent senior citizens from ending up impoverished. Although it was initially created to combat unemployment, Social Security now functions primarily as a safety net for retirees and the disabled and provides death benefits to taxpayer dependents. Structurally, the Social Security program has remained relatively unchanged since 1935. Although people have longer life expectancies as Social Security as society ages, there are more dependents and fewer workers to support the system. It was another step towards creating dependency on the federal government. A lot of people, very I think one in five retirees right now depend so, solely on Social Security. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported two additional deaths and 110 new cases in COVID Collier County uh, yesterday. The state identified the latest deaths as follows. Now, listen to these these <laughs> these descriptions here because it makes me wonder if many of these deaths actually are COVID-19 related. A 93-year-old woman who had contact with a known case whose positive case was counted by the state on July 29th. So apparently she was in contact with somebody that had it, so they list this 93-year-old woman 
as COVID-19 related. 85-year-old woman who had contact with a known case. And uh, there's some others. Anyhow, it goes on. It's too bad. The report that reported deaths increased cumulative uh, cumulative total of uh, COVID-19 fatalities to 148. So the seven-day moving average is now down to 68. It was down to, at its high at 220. So we can only hope this continues. The uh, going back to school will be a challenge, I'm sure, to this number. Hopefully, it will continue to decline. Uh, but that's not really the number. We shouldn't be focusing on the number of cases. The real focus should be on uh, our beds, the healthcare system, and not overwhelming it. That was the initial goal. Uh, well, the Thursday there were, uh, let's see, uh, 117 COVID-19 patients being treated at Collier County Hospitals. That's 13 fewer patients since approximately the same time on Wednesday. The county also had 16.5% of its total hospital beds available and 18.8% of its adult ICU beds available. So we're doing fine, actually. Now, in spite of the numbers and what we're seeing across the nation, former Vice President Joe Biden on Thursday called for a nationwide mask mandate to help fight the spread of the coronavirus pandemic. Every American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum, Biden said. Outside. He said, Biden told reporters in Wilmington, Delaware, let's institute a mask mandate nationwide starting immediately and we will save lives. He said up to 40,000 lives. And what a shame that uh, promoting this. Now, it's not based on science, obviously. In fact, uh, there's a new report at primarydoctor.org by Colleen Huber, who's an NMMD, that reveals total deaths this year are actually lower than the annual U.S. deaths in 20 of the last 21 years. Okay, deaths are lower. Huber concludes in a report with this analysis, if COVID-19 is genuinely the deadly pandemic that it's widely thought to be, then total deaths would not only be a little higher than the usual, but would also be much greater during the period of its peak incidence and closely uh, following weeks. It's not possible to have a deadly pandemic rage through a population without increasing the total number of all-cause deaths during the years in which the peak incidence, because there's no reason for alter alternate courses of death, causes of death, heart disease, cancer, etc., to simultaneously decline. And Ken brings back to my suspicion about some of these people that are listed COVID-19 that may be dying of heart disease or cancer, old age. Therefore, if deaths are not significantly increased above previous years for a given region, then there has, to, there has been no pandemic nor even an epidemic there. On the contrary, what has been found is that so far there are fewer deaths per week in 2020 than in any other year since 2009, and although some of the lower uh, this lower death rate may be due to reporting lag, the lag is likely too small to explain the considerably lower weekly death rate in 2020 than in previous years. It just underscores, it seems to me there's no pandemic in 2020 of COVID-19 or anything else, at least not in the United States, maybe a pandemic of fear. I think fear has overtaken this. And when old Sleepy Joe starts recommending masks for all, even outside, for the next three months at least, just makes me ask, who's considering these scientific facts that are being revealed about what's going on with COVID-19? I don't mean to minimize the uh, contagion of COVID-19. I'm not minimizing the need to social distance. I'm simply saying, let's get this in perspective, especially now that we're sending kids off to school. 
Well, the Attorney General says a Connecticut's prosecutor's investigation moving is moving along at the proper pace. There will be a development today in the Connecticut U.S. Attorney General's uh, Attorney John Durham's investigation in the origins of the Russia investigation. That, according to William Barr, he was on uh, Sean Hannity's show last night. But we're not doing this on the election schedule, Barr added. We're aware of the election. We're not going to do anything inappropriate before the election, but we're not being dictated by its schedule, he said. That's very reassuring. So hopefully there will be some sort of announcement today. That's pretty exciting. Another development for the Justice Department, they announced it's uh, disrupted three terrorist financing cryptocurrency campaigns associated with al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, or ISIS, and uh, Hamas-affiliated al-Qassam brigades. U.S. authorities seized millions of dollars for over 300 cryptocurrency accounts, four websites, and four Facebook pages associated with the terror financing efforts. That, according to the DOJ... Federal funds, by the way, seized by the DOJ are, uh, may be directed either whole or in part to the United States victims of state-sponsored terrorism. The fund provides direct compensation for U.S. victims of terrorist attacks, and I would assume that includes 9-11. Other good news, first-time claims for unemployment insurance fell below $1 million for the first time since March 21st. That's good news, and the total claims is down as well. Uh, It's not being reflected right now in the stock market because futures are down. Of course, the market was down a little bit yesterday as well. Jobless claims have now totaled above 1 million for 20 consecutive weeks as the U.S. economy went into lockdown to contain COVID-19. Good news, though. Uh, Unemployment seems to be, uh, Trump, of course, is promoting the fact that we're having a V-shaped recovery. We can only uh, hope that's the case. I want to end this segment with, a no, you know, the, obviously the news, the big news is the historic peace agreement President Trump announced yesterday between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, saying they agreed to full normalization of relations. It's a huge breakthrough today, historic peace agreement between the two great friends, Israel and the United Arab Emirates. He tweeted, uh, the president, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and Crown Prince Abu Dhabi and uh, Deputy Supreme Commander of the United um, uh, Arab Emirates, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, released a joint statement Thursday as the three spoke and agreed to the full normalization of relations. And this is going to be good for commerce, going to be good for all kinds of things. Uh, and it may be that other uh, Eastern uh, Middle East uh, nations may jump on board uh, on in this agreement, although the, uh, there is uh, some concern about how the Palestinians may react to this. I don't think they're too happy. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. Visit naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
Fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner's a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever f***ing good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Chris Jacobs. He's the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a, a, a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're uh, dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. Now, William, I, I know uh, that you've been focusing on regulations in the United States, and uh, the president has certainly made his focus to deregulate or reduce the kind of been walking around like in, in uh, saltwater taffies <laughs> to do business <laughs> in, in, in the United States. But I think he's actually done a good job. But maybe I'm out of proportion on the co- accomplishments. Maybe you could reflect on that a little bit for us. No, I, you're spot on. Um, and, and it's actually, it's, it's uh, as with everything Trump does, there's what he says mm-hmm. and, and what is actually taking place. And it, there's been a lot of glitz and glamour with his deregulatory promises. 
Um, I think he's probably two for one was his marquee measure. He was going to reduce two regulations for every one promulgated. Um, this sort of deregulatory activity is well and good. Don't get me wrong. I support this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but it is very common whenever there's a change from a Democrat to a Republican in the White House. And then vice versa, when there's a change from a Republican to a Democrat, we normally have re-regulation. Um, so on the one hand, sort of what Trump is saying is par for the course, this deregulatory stuff. Mm-hmm. However, Behind the scenes, very capable political appointees, and here uh, primarily Jeffrey Rosen, who is now uh, in the Department of Justice, deserves a a great deal of credit. Um, But they've been implementing structural, institutional reforms that get rid of some of this red red tape um, that is very commendable and that has been flying somewhat under the radar. I'll point to one example, this uh, uh, regulatory guidance. It, it is known in D.C. As, as regulatory dark matter, and, and it's known as such because people don't know about it. Mm-hmm. It's these regulatory measures that are, are hidden from, from view. I mean, they're not posted prominently, and, and to a large extent, the regulated, regulated community doesn't know they exist. Uh, the Trump administration, and this is pursuant to an executive order that, that Trump issued in 2018, um, every single agency has had a requirement, and they followed through in this requirement to post on a, a as accessible website all regulatory guidance in, in a searchable form. And that's a, that's a very salutary result. I mean, that is something that um, sort of uh, administrative law scholars have been pushing for across the political spectrum for a long time. And this administration delivered, and that's really only one of many measures, of many such measures that, that again, are sort of structural, institutional in nature, and that they apply across many agencies and have delivered a lot of good. So uh, Trump, at the end of the day, uh, he gets a solid A (laughs) from me when it comes to overall uh, regulatory matters, both on the substance of this deregulatory stuff, which I generally support, but more importantly, this behind-the-scenes structural efforts that, that have done a lot of lasting good that can't be undone by subsequent administration. Oh, that's just really good news. It sounds like the whole process is being made transparent, which I think is going to be good for everybody. Uh, two things I'm highlighting in my own mind, I think about uh, Gina McCarthy, I think her name was, and the EP- APA, and uh, and uh, what it just uh, the, the horrific situation she was creating for... Uh, Clean Air Act and all these things in terms of uh, what the, she was doing for farmers or to farmers, I would suggest. And then the president reflected on, and I forgot the context, but being able to get roads or airports or whatever it might be approved in a, in a much faster uh, period of time, reducing it from like seven years to, to months, actually. Yeah, any thoughts on that? Oh, you bet. So what the president is referring to there are these NEPA permits, and that refers to National Environmental Policy Act permits. Um, These are the bane of common sense. Uh, Just as you intimated, uh, these will gum up projects for no discernible uh, purpose whatsoever uh, for years on end. The Trump administration has undertaken an effort to reform NEPA, However, um, this is one of those areas where Congress really has to do the heavy lifting. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there, there unfortunately is only a limited, a limited amount of good that the 
uh, the president can do when it comes to this law and its applicability. It's, it's self-executing. I mean, that is the, 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 the law as written, regardless of what Trump does, environmental litigation groups can sue um, and effectively go up the work. So that that is a commendable effort and something that absolutely has to be done. Again, this, this NEPA stuff really defies common sense. Um, however, the, 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 that bucket of water has to be carried by Congress. Gotcha. How about, could you reflect a little bit on the EPA? In other words, the, the question being is, are things uh, being improved in terms of climate change and all these these efforts that, quite frankly, I believe are based on phony science, fake <laughs> fake science? Uh, he seems to have been, been effective without really confronting the whole notion of climate change. Well, I couldn't agree. So this gets uh, Andrew Wheeler. He's the current EPA administrator. And we have seen a, a wholesale turn, and, and one that, regardless of, of how one feels about climate science, I, I welcome. Um, and that is, uh, this: during the previous administration, Gina McCarthy, EPA administrator, used the words, quote, all hands on deck, mm-hmm. um, to refer to their second-term climate policies. So they were spending virtually all their discretionary resources on climate change. Well, the nature of limited resources is such that if you put all your eggs in that basket, you, you don't have the resources necessarily to take on these core functions of clean air and clean water. Right. Um, and that, that's what the, the Wheeler administration, we've seen a, a, seen a reversion or a shift of priorities from climate change to um, air and water, uh, you know, uh, conventional pollution and pollutants. And so... Uh, it's a values thing. There are some people for whom climate change is the end-all threat to the world. Right. I'm not one of them. Um, there are others for whom you know the, the clean air and clean water uh, in the conventional sense are a more direct, pressing matter. Uh, we've seen a shift in this administration from the climate stuff to the clean air, clean water stuff. I welcome it. And I do think that the agency is under a good stewardship with their present administrator, Andrew Wheeler. That's great, great news. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow with the Cato Institute. It's just such an informative conversation, William. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Chris Jacobs. He is the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. We'll be talking about AARP, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Right now we have with us Chris Jacobs. He is the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Tell us about Juniper Research Group. What, what's it all about? So it's a policy and writing uh, research and consulting firm. Uh, basically do uh, a lot of background research on uh, issues of importance to um, the policy debates here in Washington. Yeah, and you wrote a piece for American Commitment, uh, which I really appreciated. It's called... AARP puts profits, or how AARP puts profits over patients. Maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. It's, it's an in-depth uh, report that I've done looking at um, kind of penetrating the veil of, of AARP. Um, and they have significant conflicts of interest and get mo- a good chunk of their money, um, close to 40% of their revenue comes not from from seniors or from membership revenues, but actually from United Health Group, the nation's largest health insurer, and how that presents um, conflicts of interest and affects AARP's um, positions and policies that that they take. Yeah, you know, uh, I, at first years ago, you thought about the AARP as the American Association of Retired People, and you thought them as uh, about them as an advocate for issues uh, affecting people over the age of fifty-five. Is that still the case? Unfortunately, no. Um, they've, they've become very compromised in terms of their, their profit centers and, and their revenue base. Um, they get more than um, half, 50, 57% as of, of 2018, of their revenue comes from royalty fees. In other words, selling insurance, selling products of, of, of one, one uh Type or the other, and most of that those royalty fees come from United Health Group, and those there, there's a, a clear financial conflict of interest, and we've seen it play out time and time again in terms of the way um, the policy positions that AARP takes on issues. Yeah, now if I'm not mistaken, AARP is a not for profit, and yet you used to, and I don't even think they're registered as an insurance agent, yet they're collecting. I think you said up to 4.95% f- 
of the of the uh, premium uh, for the sale of United Healthcare products. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, and if any of your listeners um, have purchased Medicare supplemental insurance Medigap policies sold by by United Health Group, they are paying four point nine five cents out of every dollar of the, their premium dollars go to AARP, and AARP does not advertise this. It does not disclose this to seniors when they when they buy these products. That means AARP has a financial incentive to keep to make premiums as high as possible because for every additional dollar they charge seniors, AARP gets about a nickel of of every additional dollar. That is disturbing, and uh, and also uh, doesn't reflect well for seniors getting good information from AARP about uh, insurance products. One of the most important things, by the way, uh, they can consider considering uh, how health changes over the course of our aging years. Well, that's exactly right, and and it's funny that um, when I worked on Capitol Hill, AARP would send out letters to members of Congress supporting transparency, supporting transparency for Obamacare and, and rate review provisions in Obamacare and all that sort of stuff, except when it comes to Medigap, except when it comes to AARP's largest source of revenue. There, they are not transparent. In fact, they've become less transparent in the past year or two that they've, they've disclosed less information on their financial statements about how much money they get from United Health Group because they don't want seniors and the American public to know how financially compromised their interests are. So uh, you point out in your column uh, some interesting information about the the out-of-context clips of President Trump pressuring the Senate to pass Nancy Pelosi's prescription drug price controls bill. Uh, what's going on there? Well, certainly uh, AARP uh, is encouraging the um, lawmakers in Congress to pass essentially price controls for, for socialized medicine, to import price controls from Great Britain and other countries with, with socialized medicine systems to the United States, and taking clips out, out of context um, to try to, to argue for this on, 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 to the American people and, and to lawmakers. Uh, unfortunately, as as I've just explained, United Health Group has has compromised AARP's financial interests. We really don't know whether they're speaking on behalf of seniors or they're speaking on behalf of their contractual relationships with United Health. So we all would like to have lower prescription drug prices. There's no question about that. But uh, it makes me wonder if uh, free markets might better approach this whole issue rather than dealing with uh, some sort of a socialized medicine approach. Well, that's exactly right, and and we've seen in the past couple of years that the Trump administration has approved more generic drugs on the market, bring dr- generic drugs onto the market faster. More competition will help get prices down and keep them low, and and mitigate any any cost increases. That is certainly a much better alternative than uh, importing socialist price controls. So what you've described, in my, my summary of this, is they're, they're actually a lobbying group as opposed to some sort of a service to seniors, and they, ha- they have definitely a, an interest in what's happening in terms of health insurance and other issues. Uh, what would you, on behalf of American Commitment, what would you like to see happen? Well, I, I think for one thing, uh, seniors and the American people need to understand 
that AARP is, is very compromised when it comes to its relationship with United Health Group. In the past, we've seen Congress investigate these sorts of, of abuses by AARP, and, and certainly the lawmakers should investigate again, and the American people should know that AARP really does not speak for seniors so much as it speaks on behalf of its own financial interests. Do you think they should retain their uh, not-for-profit status? Well, I, I, I think that there, there's a significant question there. In fact, the House Ways and Means Committee several years ago conducted an investigation and uh, as, as to whether or not these, quote, royalty fees were, were being accurately characterized by AARP in their financial, um, in their tax returns with the IRS. We've never gotten a public um, acknowledgement or, or um, disclosure of the results of that investigation by the IRS, but there is certainly uh, a significant conflict there. Over the past uh, from 2009 to 2018, AARP reported a net profit of, of $1.4 billion. Um, you know, <laughs> they, they euphemistically call it a net revenue margin. They have a positive profit margin of, of roughly 10% every year. Wow. And that's based on the strength of their royalties from United Health Group, which comes from overcharging seniors for coverage. I would have to imagine that the uh, senior management at the company is probably doing pretty well financially. They, their, their, their CEO, Joanne Jenkins, is, is paid over a million dollars. The average salary of an AARP staff member is a, about $175,000 per year. That's the average staff, uh, staff salary. Wow. Um, and when you compare that to what the average senior receives in, in Social Security and pension benefits every year, it's certainly living high off the hog. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, when I saw that AARP was supporting Obamacare, they are far left, first of all, and they're an advocacy group, not for them, for seniors, but for themselves. And it just amazes me. You have to be a licensed insurance agent to receive commissions in all those various states, and somehow, someway, they're calling it royalty, royalties and getting away with it. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and, and the other point is, if you receive a commission and you're an insurance broker, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners recommends, and many states have laws, that you have to disclose specifically, I'm getting a percentage-based commission. You have to, that the, the customer has to sign a, dis, a separate disclosure form specifically saying that there's a financial conflict of interest there. Wow, that's so interesting. And when I worked on Capitol Hill, we asked AARP, do you require your members to sign a disclosure like that? And they didn't respond, yeah. which Amazing. shows you they're not very pro-consumer. Yeah, Chris Jacobs, founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. Uh, I just genuinely appreciate this information and what the light that you're shedding on this issue with AARP. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. And americacommitment.org is the website uh, you can probably find out. I should have asked him, but that's, I believe, the website where you'll find out more about uh, this critical issue. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sharon Kenny. She is the author of Where Should We Eat? We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog Two Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog Two Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog Two Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I did a little shout out to Lulu B's Diner. I think they do a great job for breakfast and lunch. They need a little help right now because they're renovating the entire Green Tree Shopping Center. And so uh, they're right there located on the corner of Immokalee Road and uh, Airport Pulling. Drop in and have breakfast or lunch. They do a great job. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Dr. Paul Finucane. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. She is a, a she writes commentary on dining, entertainment, and travel. She also has written her book, Where Should We Eat? It's a great compilation of places to eat based on the occasion. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to talk to you, Bob. Thank you so um, much, Sharon. Lovely Naples, our lovely little uh, oasis of almost normalcy. Isn't that the case? I mean, I'm just so pleased. I start reading the, uh, the presidential candidate, Joe Biden, used to say, I have, I have a good idea. Let's all wear masks even outside for the next three months or longer. <laughs> I'm saying to myself, oh, my goodness. I don't want to vote for that guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, we've been very blessed to be here in Naples, I must say. we, uh, My husband and I go back and forth to Miami for work all the time, and it's a different world on the east coast of Florida than it is from the west coast. No, no question. Um, I talked to my sister. Businesses have not opened up at all, uh, and especially restaurants, completely different situation than we have here in Naples. Uh, I talked to my sister yesterday who lives in Miami Beach, and uh, she she was kind of describing, and there's a mentality there. She's saying she's upset that people aren't wearing masks all the time, and you know, in other words, she, I said, well, do you go out and take a walk? She says, well, I have a nice porch that I can sit on. <laughs> no, yeah, you got to get outside and walk around. You have to get some fresh air. I mean, it just it concerns me that people are shutting down their lives. They're living on this pandemic of fear. Yes, and in Miami Beach, I think, and in Miami in general, there is a sense from the locals of resentment of still a lot of young people coming in partying. Yeah. 
and gatherings and stuff, which is not helpful, right. which has just pr- prolonged, um, you know, all of the situation. And so um, the restaurants in Miami and Miami Beach, the, the hotels are open. But again, for restaurants, it's only outdoor seating. And there has been a lot of, um, of uh, adjustments. So a lot of restaurants are moving into parking lots, into gardens, and opening up. But you know, the rainy season is upon us, and it's very difficult um, to be outside in those areas when it's raining. Yeah, those businesses have to be struggling right now, because who's going to make a dinner re- uh, reservation at 6.30 at night <laughs> at an outdoor restaurant in, in, with this kind of weather the pattern that we have here in the summer? So. And it's pouring out, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we are so blessed here in uh, southwest Florida, um, and, and also the Keys. The Keys are apparently doing very well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hearing from people who have been down there li- recently and who live down there, and the Keys are apparently um, very busy and, and, and open for business much more so. Uh, but here in Naples, uh, we had a lovely, we had a special occasion dinner this week. Someone turned a major life <laughs> birthday, and uh, we had dinner at the Capitol Grill. Nice. And it was spectacular. Unfortunately, I don't know when the grill at the Ritz-Carlton will reopen, but it's not open yet. Mm. And so our next choice for that kind of a high-end meal was the Capitol Grill, which was hardly slumming it, let me say. No, that's right. Or, you know, I I love uh, Blue Provence. It's a wonderful place to have a special occasion as well. So, I mean... But it just underscores, the thought came to my mind, you know, Naples has been listed by many metrics as being the happiest and healthiest county or place uh, or area in in the United States out of 196 communities. And I think that just underscores during this pandemic, we're kind of retaining that healthy attitude as opposed to some places that are just shutting down. And again, I come back to this pandemic of fear. Well, and I don't think that we, if you haven't left Naples, I'm not sure you recognize it if you're not in contact with other people Mm-mm. that are outside, uh, it, it, the, the pandemic of fear, the, the just weight of this confinement is really getting to people. Absolutely. Well, I think there's probably, everybody's got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder <laughs> and yeah. a, little bit, a little bit angry about this entire thing. Hey, I, I'm going to want to reverse topics on you just a, a little bit here because uh, we had our cruise canceled, our jazz cruise uh, that was going to be coming up this February. And uh, just wanted to get an idea from you of what's happening in the cruise industry because I know you follow that. Uh, right. When are things going to start opening up? So in Europe, they're already starting to cruise. Mm. Um, some, especially, so the Italian government, um, any uh, cruise lines that are flagged in Italy have been given the go-ahead that they can start cruising. So that is uh, the large line MSC, um, which is also uh, the, uh, the, it's a large shipping line as well, but they have a cruise line. Those have started cruising. Um, Aida and Costa, which are two carnival brands but are flagged in Italy, those will be starting uh, they were supposed to start already, but um, they will be starting hopefully at the end of this month or the beginning of September. And some of the other lines, smaller lines that are going up along the Norwegian coast, there are some of those that have already started. There's been a couple of incidents, um, but it's where protocols weren't followed. And uh, they did have a COVID out, uh, testing positive, I think, on one of the ships. But, you know, it's starting to go. And the, the pent-up demand, you can see, um, definitely. And a lot of these, so for example, the first cruises in Italy are approved only for Italians. 
people of Italian nationality, and they will only go to Italian ports. Mm -hmm. But, of course, in in Italy, there's all sorts of Italian ports you can go all the way around the boot. And so, you know, that's a, a lovely cruise, but that's where it's starting. See, and just because, and now, uh, didn't Italy have a, a, a big incidence of coronavirus, of COVID-19, and uh, they kind of had the, uh, I think they're kind of into this herd immunity phase? I'm not sure about the herd immunity, but they were definitely in the northern part of Italy, and Lombardy and that, they definitely were one of the hardest hit mm-hmm. um, from COVID. Does that, um, does that mean um, they're, they're first out of the bubble, you know? I mean, that's what they're saying about the first in, first out, China, Italy, those places that were first right. first hit hard. Right. Well, that's so interesting. So, uh, of course, how about airlines? I mean, I think most airlines are requiring a mask, uh, and they have some spacing. I don't know if you're following right. that. So, and what they're doing, so just to get back to the cruise industry, tying it to the airline, Carnival, which is the cruise line that has the largest share of cruising, what they're doing in America is concentrating on ports where people can drive. So people do not have to fly. Hmm. And that's been a large part of Carnival's business in the past anyway. Mm -hmm. But now you can see them really focusing their ships along the coast of California, along um, the the Gulf Coast, as well as um, up along, well, all of the coasts, I suppose. But to areas where people are within a day's drive of a port so that they don't have to get on a plane, take those issues, uh, anybody who's more concerned about getting onto a plane where you're forced into close quarters. So that's uh, something that I think they're doing in Europe as well. In Europe, they have that advantage. Most of those places are much smaller, obviously. Yeah. And so they're taking the plane part out of that equation. Yeah, that's smart. That really is smart. Well, I, I must say that uh, I believe cruise ships are a pretty safe place to be. They had dealt with this American Legion disease or whatever that was back in the day. Legionnaires. Where people were, Legionnaires disease. Thank you. So uh, the point being is that they, they have sanitation outlets just about all around the ship. I think it's pretty, probably going to be a pretty good safe place to vacation once things get up and running. Well, I agree, and they're going to be phasing it in. So the other thing they're talking about doing is, um, and the German lines have talked about this as well, as well, they're called cruises to nowhere. You go out for short cruises, three to four days, where you actually don't even have any ports. You go out, and you know from being on a ship, you don't get off the ship. I, I yeah, do you know what, that, that, that's, that appeals to me, because I have no interest in getting off the ship. <laughs> Anyhow, so. Exactly. Most people who are new to cruising think, look in terms of ports. I don't look in terms of ports at all. You know, I'm thinking, how many sea days do I get where I don't have to feel compelled to get off of the ship? I want to stay on. Isn't that the case? Sharon Kennigan, the author of Where Should We Eat? A new edition is coming out any day now, I'm sure. Right, Sharon? Oh, imminently. Imminently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold your breath. All right, Sharon, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Wonderful talking to you, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Sharon. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Paul Fanuk, and he's uh, come up with something I think is really terrific if you suffer any kind of pain in your body. Uh, I've tried it. It's really interesting. We're going to f- find out about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Dr. Paul Fanukin. He is the uh, doctor at the Alternative Health and Healing Center. Dr. Fanukin, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Well, I've had the pleasure of being there and getting treatment at the Alternative Health and Healing Center. Uh, tell us about it. Well, um, Bob, I've, I've been in practice uh, for 38 years now, and um, in Chicago and Michigan, and now here in Florida, 35 years. Hmm. And we do complete family health care for a lot. Many of our patients, we're their primary physician for any and all health concerns, from infants to elderly. Um, we do a lot with clinical nutrition and sports injury, sports medicine, but basically any and all health conditions, and we treat them in a natural way through clinical nutrition, through chiropractic, through physical therapy and acupuncture, and some neat therapies that you've already got get to uh, experience yourself, so we're going to talk about those today. So if somebody has any concerns, we work with somebody with a migraine, with an allergy, with an injury, a neck or back conditions, and so forth, um, diabetics, you name it, um, we have a natural way to help those people get well and stay well. All right, Dr. Paul. Well, I appreciate that so much, and I've tried this uh, piezo wave therapy. I was, I've was i been amazed, and I do have a stenosis, have mm. back pain going down in my leg, and just the the... Uh, the the treatment has just been so effective in relieving my pain and my my condition. Maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. Well, uh, the Paisa is a, an acoustic wave therapy, 
And the, the Paizo Wave 2 that we have is uh, the state-of-the-art unit that's available. It was actually developed by the originator of acoustic wave therapy, Dr. Wolf. Uh, Dr. Wolf is the doctor from Germany that developed lithotripsy. That's the sound wave that they use to break up kidney stones in most major hospitals throughout the world. But the piezoacoustic wave is used for tendon or ligament, soft tissue, uh, muscle. It also helps... Uh, promote healing and circulation it breaks up scar tissue and adhesions and also helps nerve neuropathy or nerve injury or nerve pain um so basically it does a sound wave that goes deeper than any other therapy and that sound wave can penetrate deep into the joints into the knee or hip or in your case the spine and bring healing it breaks up scars and adhesions and it brings circulation and healing and attracts all the nutrition and the body stem cell to the area that really speeds healing. So it's an amazing technology, and um, we, we got so busy with it, we had to get a, a second unit because we were booked three or four weeks out. And we actually have had uh, many doctors and nurses come in because they couldn't, uh, they were seeing their patient's healing response uh, post-surgical or other injuries that the doctor saw such a quick healing response. So we have lots of uh, health practitioners that love the technology and thousands of patients. So we... we uh, you know, yeah. a lot with sports injury, but all kinds of injuries. So, so just, you've experienced it. Yeah, just to report it on my situation, I was uh, kind of developed the stenosis. has led to my sitting down all the time, and I tend to stoop a little bit when I walk. Very uncomfortable. But what my friends are saying, hey, you're standing up straighter. What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, sure. it's, uh, it, it, it actually has, you talked about uh, scar tissue and whatever. I'm sure that's some, some of the stuff that has been resolved in my body because going down my leg, I had leg pain. And uh, my goodness, it's going away. I just uh, and I've been taking this medication uh, to uh, to alleviate the concern for drop foot. But I think I could actually get off the medication. That's great. Well, like you said, um, ner- nerve stenosis causes pressure on the spinal cord and nerves, and it can progress and it can be debilitating and painful, um, numbness and, and weakness in the legs and so forth. And there are our conservative therapies. Uh, keeping the bones in alignment in the spine can help stop the progression and then gentle stretching and exercise and chiropractic. But the piezo wave can get in there deep and bring in the blood supply and the healing faster and better than any other therapy we've seen to date. So we use it extensively for plantar fasciitis. We use it for, give you an example, we had a a retired uh, medical physician that had his uh, aorta replaced, and he had a thick red keloid scar all the way down his front like a huge zipper, and he was bent way forward, and he said when he tried to stand up, it felt like his whole center was ripping. Mm-hmm. And they tried medicines and cortisone shots and so forth, and about six of the piezo waves softened that scar and, uh, and loosened that scar and allowed him to stand upright without any pain anymore. So even old scars, um, we can help uh, both topically and sometimes even internally in the joints or in the tissues. Right. So it's remarkable. It is remarkable. Now, of course, my situation is stenosis, back pain, and uh, the leg pain. But uh, are there other uh, applications for other situations? Sure. Well, we've seen a great success with other neuropathy or nerve pain. Um, We've seen great success with sports injury, tendon or ligament, muscle, um, any joint problems. So we can, like I said, treat in the center of your knee or hip or back. Uh, plantar fasciitis and heel spurs. So most most any musculoskeletal conditions. Um, but they have found, for example, when we go over the 
the upper back, we've done a lot for back injury, and they found the piezo wave penetrated so deeply, it even brought circulation into the tissues and into the lung and so forth. So bringing blood supply and nutrition and circulation can have a, a very good effects on many, many conditions. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Dr. Fanukin, again, I'm just going to, uh, I'm so pleased with this, and if you're experiencing any kind of joint pain, any back pain, uh, and you've tried other things, I mean, you ought to look into this. I really mean sure. that. Uh, Dr. Fanukin, uh, your, uh, your phone number there is 592-7767, 592-7767, and the yeah. website is My Naples Chiropractor. Dot com my Naples Correct. chiropractor yes and, and and Bob we'd like to invite any any of your listeners to come in and try a complimentary therapy um, because if if it most people can see some benefit even their first treatment some conditions need numerous treatments but a lot of times they'll see some benefit and so they can meet us and see what we do and try the therapy but I I'd say probably ninety nine out of a hundred people that try the therapy for injuries uh, like we discussed see some benefit and then they want to do a, a series or a few treatments and get some, they see some quick response and actually healing the condition and not just covering it up. Absolutely. In fact, I think I'm going on to my 25th uh, session right now. And, and each session, uh, I just feel better and better. So uh, I'm just really pleased with the result. I thought I was, I thought I was committed to taking these pills, gabapentin, until I mm -hmm. die. You know, to just sure. to avoid the situation. I I really am optimistic that I can actually alleviate my pain, perhaps stand up straighter and for a longer period of time. Uh, well, this is really yeah. encouraging. Well, and, and stop that condition from pro progressing. That's very important as well. Absolutely. Dr. Fanugan, again, my Naples chiropractor. It's located, by the way, just north of the uh, Imperial Golf Course Boulevard on the west side of the road yeah. uh, right there. It's uh, very convenient as yeah, we're well. We're next, next to Naples venue and right across from Jermaine Toyota by, by, by Wiggins and Imperial between those streets. And like I said, we're, we're glad to have people come in for any health concerns. And we do free consultations, and we let people try therapies to see what benefits them uh, to get well. Dr. Vanuka, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Well, thanks again for having me, Bob. Uh, we look forward to keeping you healthy and any of your health needs. You have a blessed day. Yeah, thank you as well. Well, um don't like to just necessarily promote things, but golly, when it's, it's been so helpful to me. I, if you have people or know of anybody who's that's a situation, really is remarkable, this wave therapy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show, by the way. We're going to wrap it up here for today. Um, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. As we've been doing for over a decade, we're going to be talking about up-to-the-minute global events and what's happening around the world. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. Larry is the uh, uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Should we vote by mail? Well, Larry has some opinions about that. We'll be talking about it. And Jim McTagg is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books, his latest is Father the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. These are two murder mysteries located in Washington, D.C. Just really, really great reads, and I encourage you to read them. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. You can also request to be on, receive, uh, be on my distribution list for our newsletter, which I send out after each show. Again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or and great weekend wherever you are. Namaste.
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.